Welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Detroit News Assistant Sports Editor Mark Faulkner, joined by our Red Wings beat reporter Ted Colfin. Coming up, we'll hear from one of the top draft picks for this year's NHL draft, 18-year-old Finnish winger Joachim Kemble. But first, Ted, what's the latest on the search for the new Red Wings coach? When you look at the coaching history of the Red Wings, there's been 27 coaches going back to 1927, and in the last 27 years, there's really only been three coaches. Dave Lewis was here briefly, but really, you've covered Scotty Bowman, Mike Babcock, and Jeff Blaschel. When you think of Bowman, Babcock, and Blaschel, who makes sense being the next coach? Well, listening to Steve Eiserman at his season-ending press conference, it sure seemed it was going to be somebody closer to a Bowman or a Babcock Yes. Uh, so, I mean, that's the impression I got. Could it be Babcock again? Who knows? Uh, Babcock point two. We'll see. Uh, it's it'll be. An, I don't. I don't get the sense just talking to a few people that it's getting any closer. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. I mean, I still think maybe around the Stanley Cup Finals or maybe a little after the Cup Finals. Okay. That's just a guess on my part, but. I tell you one thing, Mark, with some of these teams being eliminated here recently, you wonder how many more openings there are going to be around the league and just the competition for some of these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're Barry Trotz, I mean, I get the sense Florida's going to be looking for a new coach here. And boy, what not that an appealing uh, job? I mean, it's President's Trophy winner and mm-hmm. so much talent on that roster. And Maybe Calgary? Who knows? I mean, I don't know. we'll see about Calgary. Um, there's gonna, it'll be interesting to see here. I mean, there's a lot of, we're already, what, I think there's eight, I counted six to eight openings as okay. it is, and there could be a few more here. You know, you wonder if it's going to be a, a, candidate, a veteran candidate, or if it is going to be a veteran candidate, they're going to have a lot more options that are probably a little better than this one in terms of, you know, being a contender right off the bat. I think it was, I still get the sense it might be somebody we really may not be concentrating on. Maybe a younger coach who doesn't have a ton of experience, but mm-hmm. I don't know. But, but does ha- is have some familiarity with Steve Eiserman and, you know, has proven to be a good defensive mind maybe somewhere along the line. We'll see. But it looks like it's – there's certainly a, like that story – said i mean there's a lot of qualified people out there long list of people but there's also a lengthier by the day it looks like there could be a lengthier Mm -hmm. list of openings too ted you mentioned uh, steve eiserman's season ending news conference let's go back to uh one of the clips from steve eiserman talking about the two coaches that he hired in tampa bay there was guy boucher and he confirmed that boucher was one of three finalists and then there was John Cooper, and there was at least one other finalist back then. That would have been Lindy Ruff, who worked with Iserman with Team Canada. Here now is Steve Iserman talking about the two times that he has hired a coach. I hired Guy Boucher when I was first hired in Tampa. Um, and I didn't know Guy. I knew of Guy Boucher. I had met him before. I didn't know him. I hadn't worked with him. Um, but again, as I'd said earlier, uh, and when I hired John, I'd worked with John for three years. What I have generally found, and by no means am I restricting myself or limiting myself to just hiring somebody that I know, but I've found, uh, you know, it, it's harder to 
to really, it's harder to hire someone um, that you, that you don't know, or you haven't worked with. Cause you're, you're kind of get you know, it's a little bit of an educated guess, you know, and, uh, but what I did like, um, you know, it was interesting. I won't go, uh, go into the other people that I interviewed, but I interviewed three, ultimately three people seriously for the job when I hired Guy Boucher and, and three outstanding interviews. And I walked away going like, geez, I, honestly, I'd be happy with any of the three of these guys. And, and they had very varying degrees of experience and completely different backgrounds. And, and uh, ultimately I chose, and I don't look back on the decision as, and regretting it, but I learned like, don't limit yourself to a specific criteria. And I guess I talked about that a little bit earlier. Don't say he has to be, have head coaching experience. Don't say he has to, uh, you know, uh, have coached in the NHL. I, I really think, uh, you know, you do your homework on the people, you look at their track record, where they've been as a player, where they've been as a coach. I try to talk to a lot of people that have worked with them that know me and kind of know my personality and the way I work and, and see if there's a, uh, uh, a potential for there to be a fit, but uh, it really, it really can be challenging. I think uh, when, when you're hiring, maybe that goes for all walks of business or sports and whatnot um, um, that, that it can be tough when you don't know people. And um, so I guess ultimately what I've learned is don't limit yourself to uh, any specific uh, requirements for the job. You know, Ted, when you hear Steve Eisenman talk about educated guesses and not really limiting himself and leaving no stone unturned, it makes sense. Like you were saying that with all these openings and new coaches that are on the market now, you mentioned Barry Trotz, you, your, your story at DetroitNews.com, Joel Quenville is there as a veteran. If, if he's allowed to get back into the NHL, you mentioned John Tortorella, Rick Tockett, Paul Maurice, he's another possibility. Or then maybe coaches that he's worked with before, like a John Cooper. He's worked with Derek Lalonde and Benoit Gruel. Like you said, it'll probably take a couple of weeks, if Mike not Babcock. more. Mike yeah. How important is the coach to the Red Wings, given the team they have? That's, they're improving, but they're still a long ways away from the playoffs. Well, that's a good point, Mike. I don't, I'm not really sure. I don't think, sure. I don't think the guy coming in here is going to make – an instantaneous change to the to the point where they're going to be an instant playoff contender. I mean, they finished what thirty one points, I think, from a playoff spot, or close mm. to thirty points from a playoffs. That's just going to be too much, I think, in one off season to make up. But I think that he can get them closer next year, and then maybe hopefully the year after. I mean, there's no question that a guy like Trotz, he's had an impact pretty quick wherever he's gone. Tortorella, another guy. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he, had a nice, he had an instant uh, turnaround for Columbus. There are a lot of examples that, you know, teams can – there is a spark. There is something to be said for. There's just the change behind the bench. You got a new voice. You have to prove yourself all over again. Um, I, I think we could expect a bump next year. I don't know how big of a bump maybe to the to the point where they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think that, but no, there's a lot of examples in every pro sport really that you mm -hmm. know a new a new voice a new fresh voice can can spur some improvement. So I think then there's definitely you know there's enough talent on this roster where you can definitely make a case that where they can 
you know, they can make, I think, a 10, 15 point improvement next year if things go right. What if Edmonds, Edmondson comes in here and has the same impact the Cider had? Mm-hmm. That would be, that would be a big, uh, you just wonder about the offense still a little bit, how, where they, where they're going to find more offense and you know, they got to be better defensively and the goaltending has to be more steadier, but no, I, I, I do think a, a, a new voice behind the bench can definitely trigger some more improvement, Mark. Time now for our special guest, and today it's Joachim Kemmel, the 18-year-old Finnish winger who could wind up on the Red Wings. Joining us now is 18-year-old Finnish forward Joachim Kemmel, the second-ranked European skater in Central Scouting's final rankings for the 2022 NHL draft in Montreal. Joachim, welcome to the podcast, and for our Red Wings fans, they're more familiar with Swedish hockey players here in Detroit and teams like Frölunda and Rogel. I just talked to yeah, one of your assistant you. coaches. Yes, you're more than welcome. I just talked to uh, one of your assistant coaches with JYP next year, Vili Niemannen. He's a former NHLer who yeah. won a Stanley Cup with Colorado. How did you wind up on this team, JYP? And what's your hockey background like in Finland? I have been always played in Yip. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, nothing special. I started the hockey when I was uh, four years old. And um, yeah. And then you came up through the system, right? And then you joined this team, JY, JYP. And there's 15 teams in the league, uh, Joachim. And, and maybe we could start by the fast start that you had this year. And your coach, Vili Niemann, just said it was electrifying. And for our listeners, you were the youngest player in the Finnish league called the Liga League to earn player of the month. You led the entire league in goals with 12 and points with 16 before a shoulder injury in November. Maybe you can tell us what that was like, that fast start, when everything seemed to be going in. You were just 17 years old. And there was hope maybe of making the playoffs. But maybe you could talk a bit about that fast start. Yeah, actually, it was a really good start for me. And uh, I I felt so so fun to play. And uh, I got more and more confident. Mm-hmm. And uh, the game, game was rolling really good. And uh, yeah. Let's hear now from Vili Niemann. I talked to him earlier, as I just mentioned. I have a bit of a voice clip here, uh, Joachim, that I'll play, yeah. and, and then you can comment on it. Here, here is uh, one of your assistant coaches, a Stanley Cup champion, talking about, uh, about your play this past season. I was watching the, uh, very closely the first couple couple months or before the shoulder injury, but, yeah. but, but he, he's... He, he, He's the type of player who wants to get involved. And that, that's the way you play too, right? I mean, is that something, uh, it's, just, it's just coincidence. I mean. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, first of all, he's a, he's a real talent. I was a, just a grinder. But, but I, was, I was just thinking that he has, a, he has an edge for, for playing the 200-foot game. Yep. And at the same time, he has a Patrick Linus scoring ability, but he's more of a more more of a grinder type of uh, feisty, yeah, feisty overall like two hundred foot player. Like when you look at the when when Linus was scoring in the Finnish league and early in his career, and and this 
Jokke is doing the same thing. I'm comparing him, him, his scoring ability, but but I think he can develop to a, to a, a better scorer because uh, Jokke's overall game is is more complete. Joachim, there's some high praise there from Vili Niemannen. I wonder what your thoughts are, first of all, about your defensive game, the 200-foot game. He said that you get this game face on and this body language, and he goes, you really like to compete. Is that something that you take a great deal of pride in? I like to, I like to play uh, defense, defense play, but uh, it's not my favorite. But uh, it's like always on my game, I want to, I want to play hard, and uh, it's including to the defense on play and uh, take the hits and uh, give the hits. And Joachim, how about offensively? He did use the name Patrick Laine there, one of the top goal scorers in the NHL. Have you had heroes when you look back to Yari Curry and Issa Tikkanen, Timo Solani, uh, Alexander Barkov, Sebastian Ajo, uh, Miko Rantanen, uh, Patrick Laine? Are those some of the uh, players that you've sort of watched over the years? Yeah, Timo Solani is it. If I got the buck, I. Every every time, just try to score, and um, I just try to shoot a lot, and uh, try to score, and um, always try to find a free space on the zone. Now, there was one particular highlight against Canada at the World Juniors this past year. You scored a hat trick and knocked out Canada, three goals, and your game winner was actually in overtime when Adam Fantilli carried the puck into the finish zone, he made a drop pass, and then you went the other way. Maybe you could tell our listeners what you were thinking on that play because here comes Canada with Fantilli and Bedard, two top draft picks for the 2023 draft. And then I think you saw the play develop, and maybe you could take us from there, what you were thinking as you went the other way. I knew that they got the puck to the corner. Yep. And a fan feel tried to carry the puck our defense zone, and uh, he tried to he tried to drop them, and uh, I just read it off and got the puck and started the skates, and and I saw I'm alone with the goalie and uh, the score. Billy said that uh, Finnish hockey is very tactical; it's very defensive; it's certainly yeah. uh, a very intense. But do you have any thoughts about like? What Finnish hockey is about and some of the strengths? We're playing together. All, all, all player and team try to play together. And uh, mm-hmm. we play like the whole zone, neutral zone, um, defense zone, offensive zone. We have a like, tactic for every zone and uh, what we have to do. And every, everyone knows that. And... Uh, play good defense game. The uh, Red Wings haven't had too many Finns uh, on the team, uh, Joachim, over the years. Valtteri Filppula is the most famous player, over a thousand games. He's a captain of the Finnish team, which is 3-0 and at the World Championships as yeah. we record this. He played for Jokeret. Emil Vero is a third-round pick for TPS. I might ask you how he has done. Antti Tuomisto was a second-round pick Otto Kivanamaki plays for the Pelicans. Uh, I interviewed Casper Kotz-Gonzalo once with Boston University. He's now with HIFK. And going back a little bit further, 
Uh, I saw Vili Seriavi play in Flint. He's with Luco now. But maybe uh, if you could speak about Emil Vero, who Vili uh, Niemann said is coming along nicely, has an edge to his game, and, uh, and he may be potentially the next Finn uh, to come over here and play in Detroit. What I can say, he's my, I know him, uh, I know him and uh, he's my good friend and uh, uh, we had a play same thing in uh, December, past December. Okay. Under okay. 20, 20 world champion and uh, he's a so good player and talented. Joachim, I also want to talk to you about uh, a couple of high draft picks in your draft. Uh, Dave Mars, yeah. Central Scouting, has you ranked him on the top four. Top ten for sure, it seems. But top four, he has Wright, Cooley, and Slavoski, and yourself. I would like your thoughts maybe since uh, Slavoski has played in Finland on him. And also Brad Lambert, who was a teammate of yours as well. He is ranked further down, but certainly talented. Maybe you could talk to us about those two players who have played in your league. I had to play against Slavkovsky yes. a couple of times on past year, and um, it's it's played good good season, and uh, he's he's too so talented talented to play, and uh, he's the big guy, and uh, like hard to play against him and Brad Brad Lambert. Yeah, we played uh, the past past year in the same team, and uh, he's so similar like. Connor McDavid and uh, yeah, he's he's looks like he looks like him and uh, he's playing like him. Mm-hmm. He's he's so good player, so good player and my good friend. Joachim, thanks again for your time today, talking to us about Finnish hockey, about your past, present, and future, and all the best at the NHL draft in Montreal and moving onwards as well. Thanks again, Joachim. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Our thanks again to Joachim Kemmel. Ted, let's move on. Just a couple of uh, last questions. Uh, one of your recent stories uh, startled a lot of people about Dylan Larkin changing uh, his agent as contract talks loom. And what really may have stood out to a lot of people was that his uh, previous uh, reps, they said they were a bit blindsided. Now, we haven't heard Dylan Larkin's side of the story, uh, how the um, the change in representatives, how it occurred. But certainly that probably uh, drew your attention, was certainly part of the story that here's Larkin about to work on a new contract, uh, you know, on July 13th on the first day of NHL free agency. And he changes agents. It's done elsewhere other times. What are your curious thoughts? Timing. Curious yeah. timing, Mark, yeah. no question. And let's face it, I mean, some of those people that – uh Pat Morris and that agency represent, those are some of the elite, elite star quality players in the league. So you, know, you wonder exactly, you know, what yeah. Larkin is looking for in this new deal. I mean, there was a lot of talk that maybe he would take a little bit of a hometown discount or whatnot again. But I mean, those a lot of those guys that are in that agency, you're talking about $10 million a year players and, well, maybe Mr. Larkin, uh, I tell you what, if Dylan Larkin has a type of year that he did this past year, I think he has a valid argument to being a 9 to $10 million a year player. You do wonder, though, how that works into what Steve Weiserman 
envisions as far as you know the salary structure of this team and I don't know. It's a it's an interesting it's an interesting t- situation here. I think it definitely you didn't see this coming. It shouldn't be that big. I don't think it's going to really inhibit any negotiations or what. And I still think mm-hmm. Dylan Larkin ultimately you know, he was pretty passionate about how much he wants to stay here, be here. Be he loves being the captain of the Detroit Red Wings. It's his hometown team. But then again, the lo- it did seem like the losing. Particularly this season, after you know, and the way Dylan talked after the season and his media and the season conference, it seemed like the losing did have an effect. It really did drag him down a little bit. We'll see. I think he wants to see some definite improvement on this roster. Um, sets up for an interesting year. I mean, no question about it. We'll see how negotiations go. And finally, Ted, uh, you also wrote a story about um, the Wings signing uh, a depth defenseman, Stephen Kampfer, to a one-year contract. The former uh, Michigan defenseman, five foot eleven, one hundred and ninety-eight pounds. He's played in two hundred and thirty-one NHL games. Is this a depth move? What are your thoughts on, on what they've done so far since the season ended and, and the, the contributions potentially of Camper? I think it's more of a depth move, Mark. I can't see him playing too much beyond Grand Rapids. and Maybe he'll be an eighth defenseman if they carry eight, but I'd be surprised if he lands too much time in the NHL roster. Uh He's a good, I mean, he's been a number seven type of defenseman in a lot of different places. Had a good run in Boston, talking to some people in Boston. He had a, okay. played well there, but uh, I think I think we're going to see a lot more bigger names being worked on here. You do wonder about a Vincent Trocek. I think that'd be a nice sure. position as a number two center. Uh, that's one name that comes to mind. The, the, the defense core, I mean, there's not a lot of quality so to speak, they're on defense this year in free agency. So I'm not really sure how much of an upgrade you're going to see there, but definitely some forwards. Like we said, Trocek comes to mind. That'd be an interesting fit. Uh, Andrew Kopp. But I have a tough time envisioning the Rangers letting Andrew Kopp go the way he's played in the playoffs for them. But yeah, there's plenty of more. To, there's plenty of time to speculate. Ted, thanks again, and that'll do it for episode 71 of our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. And as usual, you can catch Ted's stories online at DetroitNews.com. You can also find them on our Octopulse Facebook page, on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram stories, and Snapchat. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, rating, and reviewing this podcast. Ted and I will be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs>